0: Are you looking for the best tips and tricks to run a successful dental practice? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bulletproof Dental Practice, interviewing some of today's most successful dentists with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice podcast. Today, we have Dr. David Phelps on with us today. And um, David, your podcast is the Freedom Founders podcast, correct?
0: It's actually the the Dennis Freedom Blueprint podcast, so you're, Dennis you're Freedom close, Blueprint. you're close, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. But you're the founder of the Freedom Founders, right? Correct. That's okay. Correct. All right. Let me give a little bio because like I was saying before we kind of hit record that I really want to get um, this to be some of the context for some of the things we talk about. So David Phelps began investing in real estate while he was still in dental school in 1980. His first joint venture partner- was his father whom David convinced to be a financial partner in a rental property that David managed during his professional training at Baylor College uh, of Dentistry in Dallas. After graduating dental school in 1983, he never looked back and began a steady and continuous progression in real estate education and investment for the remainder of his practice career. Um, in 2004, David's then 12-year-old daughter was diagnosed with end-stage liver failure. The result the result years of chemotherapy and drug therapy to treat leukemia and epileptic seizures. Jenna was forced. Uh, was, I'm sorry, Jenna was fortunate to receive a liver transplant in time to save her life. However, the recovery period was long and arduous. And it was during this time period that David made the decision to run his dental practice as a true business entrepreneur and transform the business to enable him to spend more time with his daughter. Um, so like we alluded to earlier, you've, you've founded, you know, the, the freedom founders is mainly, is it just for Dennis David?
0: You know, I speak mainly just to dentists, Peter, because that's that's who I am, right? Uh, but right. we have uh, we have affiliated healthcare professionals. We've got some MDs, some veterinarians, chiropractors, uh, optometrists. But primarily, we're 95% dentists.
2: Okay.
1: Guess, and honestly. so that and that's a mastermind community. Is that right?
0: It is. It is. Yeah, we, we meet quarterly. We do a lot of uh, education and connecting the dots in between our meetings um, to, you know, really help on the pathway to freedom. We do a lot of a lot in real estate investing, of course, but, you know, there's other pieces too. Stuff stuff that, um, you know, mindset and uh, I, I'm not a practice management guy, but, you know, I've been there in practice. Uh, and so I try to bring really good people, or good content to help with that part of it too, because I think, you know, freedom is what I'm all about, you know, consists of, of different components and you can't Totally ignore one for the other. You can't. You can't say, "Let's go run and do real estate and kind of forget the practice." I always say you start with your start with your most important, most valuable asset, which is your practice. It's your 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 license, your your expertise. You've got to start there. If you haven't optimized that, you have no business running out and trying to invest in anything else, whether it's real estate or or cryptocurrency. uh, You name it. You know. You know. Focus. Focus. Focus is the key.
1: Well, you know, a lot of times I, I, you know, I'm a big. uh, I consume a lot of the podcasts. You know, not so much all dental, but. You know, sometimes you look at people that are producing podcasts, you wonder if they have the chops to kind of be promoting that content, right? And so, you know, before Craig said, Hey, we need to get we need to get David Phelps on here, I I was actually like, heck yeah, because I, you know, am a big fan of of your podcast. And I think you deliver a lot of value and a lot of tips that I've applied in my real estate acquisitions and such. So um so I'm excited to have you on and I want to dive into a couple things. Um with you. If that's, if that's cool.
0: You bet. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah.
2: I also want to say something, Peter too, is, you know, I'm not, Peter's been uh, actively involved in real estate for some time. He's got a bunch of commercial buildings that are income producing. I don't really have a lot of real estate outside of my dental office. So my perspective on how you occur and what value you bring is different, but I wanted to, you know, corroborate what, what Peter's saying, because just even your on the fly comments that you make, uh, David, where you're just kind of talking about vision and and mastery and and freedom and time, it's, it's inspirational, and I've benefited greatly from it. I remember you were just you do these monologues where you're basically on the beach, you know, or wherever you are, telling your you know your tip of the day, and you were giving one about the master, being a master marketer, and that how when you had sold your practice, um, you had to take it back, but it had been all but destroyed. And that the number one value that you can bring as the practice owner is a marketing position. And that really was a wake up call for me because sometimes we get pulled in and Peter and I have very um, opposite talents. And one of them, I just love being in the chair. I love it. So what, what, you know, and Peter's like, he loves building the business. And uh, I guess both are valuable for building the business, but it was really important that I heard that that day. And I want to thank you for that, that if you focus on the marketing, that's your full goal. But you know that, that that can be just as valuable, if not ten times more valuable, than actually practicing. So,
0: well, it, it can, and I think I think you said it well. You know, we each we each find the areas that, that we really are passionate about, uh, that we where our genius zone is. And I I never tell people, you know, don't do what you don't love. If you love being in the chair, uh, then focus on that. But surround yourself with the other people who can be the, the other pieces, the components to the business, the marketing, uh, the staff, the HR, whatever it is you need to do, so you can focus on that. The problem is, as we all know, is, is that we weren't built that way. Going through school, it was—it was all on us. It was—we were taught to be the best dentists, the best clinicians we can. We could take a ton of CE to be, you know, provide the best treatment. Uh, but that's—that's that's not scalable uh, unless you learn to build out the rest. You know, and again, it all depends upon what your individual definition of, of success or freedom is, and that's going to be right. different for everybody. I never try to impart, you know, what I believe in to other people. I just want them to think about being very specific, very intentional about how they see their life and make sure that their business, their practice is actually allowing them to live their vision of life. And Way too many of us, and I'm, I'm riding that bunch for many years until I got the wake-up calls. Was I was I was doing the same thing? I was working hard as you know, quote, successful practice by, but by only by certain definitions. And one was, you know, financially I was doing pretty well. I had security for my family, but the other elements of freedom that I talk about today, they weren't there for me. They weren't there. And I think a lot of people think, well, if I just work hard, and you know, invest or save or however, however I want to do that, that someday you know, I'll reach that point where I can start living my life. And I tell people to stop doing that because someday yeah. really for most people it doesn't ever come.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, uh, that's a wake up call for a lot of us. It was for me a long time back in my career. And I thought, you know, I was like, man, if I, and I got hurt actually I had a motorcycle, um, accident and I thought to myself like, well, oh, and you know, everything came to a screeching halt. And I said, well, I didn't really, I don't really have a business. I have kind of a, a, a great job. And it was a great job, but it wasn't a business. And, and so that's been my quest. And maybe, you know, Greg, you alluded to the fact that I like the, the quest of building the business. And I do, you know, I love the marketing and I love the growth. I love the creation. I love all that. But a lot of it has been, you know, a self-fulfilling need because I really wanted to create um, something bigger than, you know, that wasn't predicated on what Peter Bolden did with his two hands.
0: Yeah. And I, you know what, let me, and I'll say this too, is, is that your know, life circumstances Oftentimes, that that adversity that you go through, like 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 Peter, you're talking about a health issue. Uh, uh, another another person who had the same thing. You guys know uh, my good friend Scott Luna, right down in San Antonio, back problem, right? He had to do the same thing. He had to he had to recreate really who he was, uh, not so much thinking, well, I'm going to be be the great clinician and provide the treatment because my body's not going to let me. Or it could be other circumstances that don't allow you to do what what you thought you were going to do from the outset. Um, learning to to, to have uh, skill sets that I, I call tr- are transferable, so so doing dentistry being really awesome at dentistry is, is great as long as you, you can do it. But again, what if something happens where you can't do it? Is that a, do you have other transferable skill sets that you could move from morph into something else? Most of us don't. I was just fortunate that I got involved in in real estate really early, really you know, my in my first year of dental school, and I didn't think about it being a plan B. Uh, I just saw it as a way to be a good steward of, of when I finally started making some money, I could, I could invest it well. But mm-hmm. it turned out that it, learning the attributes of real estate provided an education for me that you know, I couldn't have gotten it with an MBA in, in business or marketing or real estate had I gone that route. It, it taught me so many other skill sets that when it was time for me to leave clinical practice because of my daughter's situation. I had another place to go. Now, it didn't happen automatically. I didn't have quickly have a vision of, okay, here's, here's where I'll go. But because I had built that that that, that other other foundation for myself over those yeah. years, it really provided a basis where I could move into something else that I, that I love today. I love it a lot. You had
1: kind of a – it sounds to me like you've always had a side hustle other than dentistry, and that side hustle then grew to be something, you know, self-sustaining, right? Is that kind of accurate or, or- –
0: yeah it, it it did it did, it, it, and as I said, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't set out that way from the beginning. It was just mainly I want need to be a, learn how to invest you know, right. the, the, the money I had right and do it, do it the way I thought was the best way. That's, that's how I, why I studied it. but it wasn't until later I realized that with with real estate I learned, I learned a ton about finance mm-hmm. and uh, contract law and negotiations yep. uh, and you, and, you know, hard,
1: expensive lessons, I'm sure too right that, yeah, that's cool yeah, taught you
0: exactly and all, all all that all that uh, education you know could be applied in so many other places in life you know where where I've, I've had to had to you know sometimes work out of some sticky situations uh instead of having to rely rely 100 percent on other people where you know that you, you need them like you know attorneys or financial people i feel like you know i'm at a point in my life where i can orchestrate those other people i think that's the key is is no rely completely but orchestrate whatever it is you're trying to do you need to be aware enough whether it's marketing or your business or your practice, finance, finance, whatever it is, to at least orchestrate what you want. If you just totally abdicate to other people, then you kind of get what what you get. And that's not usually a good way to go. So
1: David, uh Craig and I have this running joke with I don't know how many times we've talked about it on the podcast, but we do talk about it in person is that the second the dentist starts having, you know, a fair amount of discretionary income, it goes to something outside of the lane in which they created that income. Right. So like Craig's joke is, Hey, I'm going to go open a. am going to go, I've been really successful as a dentist. I'm going to open a subway store. Like that <laughs> sounds like, a income, right? right. So, but that, you know, given that what I just said, like, honestly, and I know you talk about real estate, right. And whether, and I don't know if you talk about just residential or commercial, I've never been that deep into kind of some of the things you teach, but, you know, obviously, again, it's not the same. It's not the lane in which we really live. Right. And so I want to know how I want to know how you get around that when you're talking to people who, you know, if real estate isn't in their wheelhouse, but it's, it's what you're preaching to get people out into freedom, kind of, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell people, you know, the, the doctors, dentists that I talked to today in terms of using real estate, I don't want them to do it the way I did it. Um, the way I did it was I was really young, right, and I had I had more time than money back then. Uh, but I'll i also say I'll be very up up front and say that you know like all of us I'm a Type A I'm a driver so when I pick something to try to become good at dentistry, all right, just like all of us, you just you know it's pedal of the metal. I'm gonna be the best I can be. I did that. I picked one other thing, and and that was uh, and that was real estate, and I and I worked really hard on both of those in tandem. Now that that did cause some imbalance in my life and, uh, and I'm not saying it was perfect uh, on, the other, on the other hand because I focused so hard on the real estate I became very good at it probably you know as good at, at real estate or even better than I was in industry. so what I would tell people today you know picking another lane you're right you've got to be careful you know how deep do you want to get in it I say if you want to pick other lanes to be involved in or diversify your investments or your businesses then you need to first pick the right people you first need to pick the right people. Okay. That could lead you to the the next lane. If you try to find a lane by yourself and say, Oh, that looks interesting, like you said, of subway, sonics, whatever, you know, whatever franchises, you pick the wrong a lane like that, you're not gonna know what what the ins and outs are. I love to joint venture with other people. I love strategic alliances. That's how I invest in real estate today not how I did it back when I was first getting started and going out and finding the properties and, and, and involving myself with orchestrating contractors and managing tenants. I you know I learned all that from the ground up, just like being in the mailroom. And when I was young, that wasn't a bad thing. Today, uh, I would not tell any other dentist to do that unless you're flat out retired or you've got some entrepreneur, entrepreneurial kids uh, that are old enough to, to run that kind of a business because full-time investing in real estate really is a business if you're going to be boots on the ground. And a yep. dentist does not need to be boots on the ground. You need to find other people that are, are boots on the ground and learn how to form strategic alliances. I'm not talking about partnerships here. That's a different ballgame altogether. But strategic alliances can be done very well in real estate where one person can be, you know, the managing joint venture person and the other, other partner can be, again, I'm using partner in a in different, different format here, but can be the person who is is more passive but you still have you still can ex- exert control whether whether you're investing in equities or in in what are, the other side which is which is debt lending i'm not trying to go down rabbit holes here but just giving you context for that great question you asked so yeah pick that pick another lane but but have other people the who is more important than the what in my opinion okay
2: well, you know what's interesting is as you're talking about I had a small epiphany everybody in their own business you know the grass is always growing greener in in most things in life and there's no exception to the business world everybody it seems like most people just don't like the bit don't like the business they're in You know, so it's like there's every everybody has this concept of like getting the business to perform optimally so they can sell it or exit it. But the funny thing is if you get your business optimal where it's performing for you, you don't wish to sell it.
0: Right. So it's like
2: everybody's talking about passive income all day and freedom when in actuality the dental practice could be a wonderful source of passive income with a return that could really beat real estate or – the ice cream shop or the subway that you want to do. It's just people think it's just easier. It might just be easier if I did an ice cream store. It would be easier if I open, if I had a a multi, a multi-unit residential complex, but they, they don't ever want to reinvest where they are. It just seems like, you know, it's like going through a a bad relationship. It it seems like it might just be easier to get a divorce and start over when sometimes it's not always that easy. But I think we hear that
1: so much in dentistry is because we're so used to being the, you know, the, well the, the
2: instrument of the work the right. technician and the owner doing yeah how,
1: mu- how much can i do with my hands equals right. how much my business does right and so so i think when you when you dream of the subway shop or the ice cream shop you know that you're not going to be scooping the ice cream so that sounds like a great idea right like i don't know i'm just i'm just kind of correct i'm just kind of going on our joke that we always talk about but uh, as i'm hearing you talk i think that might be some of the what's going on. Well,
2: let's, let's take real estate, for example. I mean, the idea in real estate is, you know, maybe you want to buy a a multi-unit residential complex, 10 or 15 units. You don't think of yourself unclogging the toilet at two in the morning on a Saturday, you know? So there's this idea that, if you're going to do a business, you're going to hire their people and put them in their highest, best use. But in our dental practice, we think of us as the ones that only care or whatever. So we apply principles of leadership, delegation, and training into the new venture, but maybe not necessarily turn that focus into our own practices. It's just a subtle distinction in the way most dentists think about their business. They don't think of it as a business or that it has a potential to actually be a business. And by a business, we can all agree that a business produces both time and money. If it only produces money for you and you have to spend more time, it's not really a business, it's a job. But most dentists feel trapped because they believe their practices are a job.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right. Um, that's that's how we were trained. That um, that we, in fact, I don't I don't think, uh, gentlemen, that the, the word business was ever used when I was going through school. I don't know if it's changed in in 30 years, but but it was always a practice, and this practice, practice was yeah. some ethereal term that meant. Went, was not a business that that you showed up in your your, your white coat and somehow uh, you didn't have to really be a business person and things just happened. Uh, that's that's obviously so so outdated and so outmoded. that it, You can't even and touch that today. Oh, so it. yeah, you're right. You're right. There's a dichotomy between what what we are as, as dentists and what we've been trained to be and thinking about uh, what a real business is. There's no question, Craig, that that investing in a true business uh, and ideally one that you're you're involved in, right, as as the owner that's the best ROI period. The best way to turn on investment will always come from optimizing a business, if it's a true business. Uh, once you have a business or businesses optimized and then you're looking for other additional diversification, that's where I say I think real estate, is my biased opinion of course, is the best asset class to do that outside of that business. But yeah, don't, 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 don't be misguided here and think that the grass is always greener and if you just drop what you're doing here or you don't pay attention to it, uh, that you can make it up over
2: here in another lane.
0: That's not gonna happen.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: well, sorry, Craig. go ahead. Then.
2: No, no, no. I was just going to say that Peter and I was talk about that real wealth. And I'm sure you could speak to this even more uh, factually than we can, but in our experience it's anecdotal, but real wealth is always b- brought about by real estate, most commonly, you know, because you're leveraging your asset and, you know, there's capital appreciation, there's depreciation. It's just the way our society, our, our system works. It's very favorable to building massive wealth through real, real estate. So yeah. we all agree upon that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, re- real estate has so many preferences to it. Uh, what makes it difficult is that it's not an efficient market. You can't just call up a, a broker. You can't go on and trade online. It um, yeah. doesn't work that way, right? So so it's it's more difficult, but that difficulty makes is where the opportunities are. So right. there's that disconnect, right? And again, uh, it's it you can do it the hard way. You can do it the easy way. But um, yeah, typically people that have wealth have some amount of real estate in their in their portfolio, yes, I think that's probably true.
1: So, can I ask you a, a, a personal question, David? Are you in sure. the Are you in the stock market at all?
0: I, I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm not at all. I'll, I'll tell you. My my wife um, was a was in was was in finance finance major MBA MBA in finance, and she was in an institutional stock broker uh, from let's see for 15 years. So that would have put it like 1990s probably 1993 to about 2007 she was an institution, institutional stockbroker so she understands that world very very well um i got completely i i, I did invest in the stock market some to, to a limited degree just because again i'm thinking like i tell everybody you know diversify right so right. up until probably about 2005 i i i got out um she quit uh, and left her partnership uh, in 2007 not not that not that it it was not so much fun for anymore because all the regulation had just taken the taken you know all the, all the fun out of it. Um, yeah. And and so so we're both completely out. Um, I think that, much.
1: That's why I was yeah, asking you that question. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, and, and I and I have to be careful. I have to I, you know I have to be careful because I can come on too strong. I realize that sometimes by 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 knocking the stock market too hard. Um, you know. So I I try to be a little more careful today and say look wherever you are you know just just you know have some amount of control or or, or understand what it is and maybe think about diversifying in some other areas when it's when the right time for you but yeah I'm, I'm not in it at all so
1: one of my good buddies garrett gunderson he mm-hmm. when he talks about diversification he says diversification is really just an acknowledgement that you don't really you're not confident in any which way you're going
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i know i've, I've heard uh, garrett, garrett and i are good friends too i am i am a i'm a, okay. I'm a a mastermind with Garrett. Uh, and, uh, okay. so, so I, I definitely appreciate Garrett's, Garrett's there. And that's, there.
1: and that, you know, and that was a wake up call and he was the one who actually got me. He's like, why would you invest in a stock market that, you know, and I can say this cause I'm not an advisor today, but he was like, why, why would you invest in something that you have zero control over? You don't know what the tax word is. You probably don't know the fund manager's name and here you go. You're, you're resting your entire future on this, on all these questions. And I was like, Ooh, this sounds terrible. He was like, be in control <laughs> of your own destiny. Right. And I was yeah. like, and so that was a wake up call for me a long time ago, which Craig back to what you were saying, that was the real estate and the kind of the building and this and that, because you know, I realized that if I wasn't in control that, you know, either I had no one else to blame, you know what I mean? Or if I was in control, right? So, um, you know, Garrett's been a big, a big influence in, um, in my quote unquote financial freedom, so to speak. Um,
0: Garrett, so Garrett, Garrett, Garrett's got a lot of wisdom. He, he, he certainly does, does,
1: he does. Um, it's funny. I met, I saw we, I saw Garrett in the in the airport um, one day just randomly, and my wife was with me, and she said, "Wait, he's a dentist? He doesn't look like because he has <laughs> long hair, you know, he's, fit, he, he, he's He looks, really he looks good. like, he looks like Jesus. He's like, a, yeah, he, he, like." <laughs> and my wife was like, "Wow, I, all your other dental friends." And I was like, "Baby, he's not a dentist, like." But she was she was smitten with with Garrett. That's for sure. Oh. Um, I'm
2: trying to find this dude right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking him up right now. I'm looking for images.
1: Um so we digress a little bit. Um so David, a question. Residential or commercial?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of residential uh, outside of, you know, commercial, I think works well. You know, if you have uh, your, your own business, uh, dental practice, yeah. and I had, I had that as well until I, I sold it, sold it off. Uh, but I think for people uh, outside of their, their own business or practice, single family is really, really safe. Now, trust me, people can make money in commercial. And so okay. just like stock market, I wouldn't say, you know, don't touch it, but, but let's, let's think about it with commercial. Who are you dealing with? You're dealing with people that are a lot more sophisticated than the average, you know, relatively new novice to real estate, trying to figure it out. With single family, uh, you have you have two exit strategies. You you can always sell to homeowners when it's time to exit, and then obviously the investors. With commercial, you're only going to sell to investors that are looking for for internal rates of return, uh, cash on cash cap rates. Um, cap rate, yeah. Single family, yeah. Single family is going to be evaluated differently. Also, I like single family because I look at single family as if it were horizontal apartments. You now, you take a multifamily, you tip it over and all the all the units, all the doors spill out over a large geographic area. Well, those are my houses. Okay, the downside people would say, well, yeah, but what about management? You can't have centralized management with single family houses. Well, I don't need centralized management because I either do work through joint venture partners or I use a concept called lease options, uh, which is a management tool in, in single family that works very effectively to to reduce management. So most all the objections that people can bring about single family, I can overcome those. Not to say that
1: I petrified me, honestly, I I think the myth to me, and I'm not, I'm not an advanced real estate investor by any means. I mean, I guess I commercial space, but the the whole, like I did actually have a, uh, a condo that I couldn't sell. And I think my experience Mm -hmm. with that was like, Hey doc, I got a light bulb out over here. Can you come over? And I'd be like, get home from work and go put the light bulb in. I was like, this is terrible. And I think that was my, that was the way I thought investing in real uh, residential real estate was going to be is just just a complete pain in the ass, and um, so I've always been averse to residential investment. But now I've kind of been opening my eyes to it a little bit more that there's some there's so obviously some deals. But that being said, the market, as we all know, is super hot. It's you know it's a seller's market. So how do you what would you say to that? If I said, "Oh, it's it's too hot right now. Things are at an all time high. It's not the right time to invest." What would you, David Phelps, say to that?
0: I, I I would agree that one needs to be very careful. A lot of people, as we both know, in whether it's uh, Wall Street or real estate, uh, the euphoria of a hot market, a bull market. You know, people get in a lot of times late in real estate. I see this. I see that in every every cycle. Same thing was happening back ten years ago, uh, thirteen years ago. You know, two thousand five, six, and seven. When when your Uber driver or your taxi driver is talking about flipping houses uh, on the side right. uh, outside their job, that's you when do, you got really, to be really out. careful. It's, yeah. Well, it's or time to time to get out or time not to be speculating. You know, there's a difference between investing and speculating. And a lot of people in a, in a hot market, they're speculating. They don't know the fundamentals. They're buying to do to make quick flips and, and quick profits. That that always runs out when the market when market tops out. I buy for long term. Long term mm-hmm. for me is typically ten years or more. I've got houses today that I bought back in the in the early eighties that I've had over thirty years that just been cash flow producers. When the market and I've I've gone through four four downturns over that over that 37, 38 years. When the market turns down and and real estate loses value and and, and remember too that real estate is not not a national index. It's localized. So right. there's the That's markets true. are more vol- volatile than others. So you've got to be a, understand what market you're investing in. But the markets I invest in are, are the non-volatile, I'll call them the boring markets because they just produce cash flow like crazy. When when 2008-9-10 hit, I think my values probably went down no more than 20%, probably 15 to 20%. Really. But uh, but but I, but I did but, but, but here's why I didn't care. Peter and Craig because a house doesn't know when it loses value. See, people don't run for the hills. They don't they don't not need shelter. Certainly, some people may, may, may need to ratchet down, uh, but in in the houses that I recommend investing in, there's always people that will rent those houses. So I didn't have people leaving the houses. They weren't vacant. Uh, I had to stabilize my rents for about 18 months, right? I wasn't jacking rents up, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, but since that time, they've just gone up. Now, property values are back up again. So for me, with single family, it doesn't matter – if we have volatility, volatility, as long as I'm buying or investing for the long term. If I'm okay. speculating, that's another ball game and you and that's that's an arbitrage in in markets where you, you do come in when the market's cr- cratered, and you can go to uh, Las Vegas, you can go to parts of Florida uh, when when the market was down and ride it back up. But that's more of a business. Now, what I'll do is I'll joint venture with people that do that. Uh, so so the way we find good deals today is it's just like. Like we talked about earlier, Craig was talking about marketing. It's all lead generation. Uh, the people that, that find the good deals are, are lead generating like crazy. Uh, they've got a network. They're doing direct mail. They're doing uh, pay-per-click, uh, Google, Google AdWords, um, find, finding the, those needles in the haystack. They're tougher to find today, but they're still there. Okay. People that don't know the difference between wholesale and retail, and they think, well, yeah, I need to go out and buy some real estate, they're going to call their local Rotary Club real estate broker agent, good person, right, good person in the market and say, hey, John or Judy, you know, I'd like to, I like getting this real estate thing. Sounds hot. And John or Judy are going to do their best to help it. They, they don't, they don't lead generate like I'm talking about. They, they, they go to the MLS, multiple, multiple listing right. service. Um, uh, it's retail today, so you're gonna buy retail, and and you don't, you don't have the bandwidth to scale up uh, the the contracting to do the rehabs efficiently. So you pay too much, and then as you said, Peter, now now I've got I've got to manage this house. I don't know how to manage property. Uh, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm a dentist. I love I love for people to love me. So I'll I'll run to the back and call and change the light bulb. Right, it's just right. you know, it's the wrong way to go about it. So your your experience with that condo is true to form. It's just that's not the way I would tell you to do it. Okay. So, Hope that hope that helps.
1: No, that that does that does that answers all my questions. Actually,
2: you know what's funny, Peter is um, I, I live in South Florida, and we were making the headlines back in two thousand eight and nine because there was uh, the headlines were saying. I'm sorry,
1: Miami, like you could. Buy, yeah, well, could well even my out. area.
2: Yeah, but um, you know. There was this. Miami has an inventory of 20. It's going to take 20 years, what they said in 2009 and 10 and 11. It's going to take 20 years for the inventory of Miami to be absorbed. There was so much overbuilding. Meanwhile, uh, 36 months later, the cranes are flying, everything's sold out, and values are way past what they, the highest they ever were pre bubble. Um, so I think what you spoke to, David, where you're trying to make that arbitrage, you're trying to time it just right. I mean, how can, you know, if you're trying to time the stock market, or try, trying to pop in and pop out of the real estate market, you, that's really just at, at best case scenario, you're, try, you're doing a, gam, you're gambling. You but what you're talking about, we have income producing properties. My buddy, Michael, he's in commercial real estate. He is always, you know, 35, 40% LTV. Um, Am I saying that correctly? Where he's got 40% of the value in the property. So he's always, you know, fairly, he has a good amount of equity in there. And when winter comes, which you all know, the season's winter is coming, um, he actually takes it as a buying opportunity. And he was frankly embarrassed to tell people he was in real estate in 2008 and (laughs) 9 because he'd meet his like babysitter and the babysitter's like, yeah, I used to be a bartender and now I'm in real estate. What do you do? He's like, "Uh, I kind of do development. Like he was ashamed of it. It's right. like, you know, so there's, there's many different layers and like you said, if you don't know what you're doing and you go to your Rotary Club or Chamber of Commerce real estate person, you're going to get shafted and um, you really need to know what you're doing. And I was fortunate enough to be able to hook on a Michael. Um, I think I told you that, David, but he finally let me in on a deal. You know, he never really wanted to. He's like, listen, I don't need your money, no offense. I got more right. than you'll ever have. And I don't want to lose a friendship. But uh, finally, he did one for me and I, I jumped in with him. But I, I've watched him over 20 years, you know, go into a shopping center that was $2 million, you know, put 30% down, refinance or release a couple of uh, tenants and have it appraised at $4 million, pull the equity out. And then 15 years later, sell it for 20 million. Meanwhile, the thing pull off uh, a am uh, sorry, a, a nine hundred thousand dollars free and clear of cash flow for him. Pays less taxes than I do, and I make a, a fraction of what he makes. Um, do 1035 exchanges. It's it's amazing. I mean, I just I've scratched the surface of of understanding the power of real estate. I, I don't claim to know anything with no training. I just watched. and been an observer to friends go through it. And they're all kicking such ass that if you could bring that to dentistry, if you could provide an easy formula for for guys like us or Peter to 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 jump into, what a value! What a massive value!
0: Well, the the, the uh, you know, go back to what I said earlier. It's it's it's. it's to be involved in in another lane, which is what we're talking about here for Dennis into real estate, it really is more the who than the what. Yeah, you, you can find all kinds of sexy stories anecdotal out there of people that made money. Uh, you can find just as many people that lost money that know, know what they're doing, right? But you just typically people don't talk about those. <laughs> really, truly, truly, it's about aligning yourself as you did with with somebody that you knew, uh, you trusted, you you built an organic relationship that wasn't based on someone trying to sell you something or raise capital on your back, uh, someone who actually didn't even want to let you do it. I mean, that's yeah. that's really what you're looking for uh, you know, people ask me well you know David how do you find your deals how do you how do you do it and you, you guys sort of alluded to that Peter did you know especially in a market like this where, where deals are not just out there to, you know, pick off the trees like we could you know five and six years ago after the downturn and I tell them it's all about the network uh, but, I, but I've spent I spent you know 38 years developing that network and I continue to do so today to find the right people because I can't do it all myself uh, I, I diversify my, my investments in real estate through other people, through their businesses, through their ventures, and it's just learning about the structures. The other thing I'll say too, guys, is that is that financing. Financing is everything, and there's different ways to finance real estate. Uh, typically, people think, well, the only way to finance real estate is you, is you go to the bank. And yeah, for commercial properties, multi-multi family, larger projects, the bank is the way to go because today you can leverage, uh, you know, at five percent or maybe five and a half or six percent, depending upon the, the project, long-term, thirty-year fixed-rate financing uh, on cash flow-producing assets such as real estate. That's killer. That's, I mean, I mean, you're locking in and you're having the government. You know, subsidize those low interest rates for as long as 30 years. If you hold that property for 30 years, or or 10, or 15, or 20, realize as the as we have inflation, which I believe we'll have in the coming years, I believe we've got to have some inflation. but that's a devaluation of the dollar. Well, when you're now paying back debt, fixed rate debt, uh, with a devalued dollar, you're shorting the dollar. I know I know a lot of people talk about well, you know, I don't want to go into debt. You know, Dave Ramsey talks about not going into debt. And I have to say, well, look, there's there's a difference here, folks. Dave Ramsey is an awesome leader, and he, and he helps the masses who, who can't balance a checkbook. He helps the people who just don't know one-on-one finance, right, and and, and who, who's, who rack up credit card consumption living. I He's totally right, and he can't speak out of both sides of his mouth, otherwise he'll confuse his audience. So I say, look, what you've got to realize is that there is good debt and bad debt, and Dave Ramsey's all about the bad debt. If you learn how to use good debt, look, we wouldn't have our our businesses, our practices, uh, our buildings, would we, if we didn't use debt?
2: I mean, I don't now, think you Peter, guys Peter we, would Peter would.
0: Well, Peter, 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 Peter's a massive saver. yeah. Saber.
2: Peter, Peter subscribes to the Archie Bunker mentality of debt. You <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> he, he, no, I, I hear you, and I think it's such an important thing that you just touched on good and bad debt, man. Go Keep going. I'm sorry. I just had to tell you, Peter. Peter's well, not a debt guy.
1: Well, that's not true per se. but Come on, bro. So you, talk to that, me, David, you know, talk to me about – I've had this conversation with Mark Costas actually, and like, so when the financial institutions, when you go to the bank and you're up against your limit, your personal borrowing limits, even though you have the 20% down, Mm -hmm. you know, they get nervous when they start looking at the the total allocation. So what are some options when you do start bumping up against that? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. So, so, so yeah, I started it down that track. And I said, I said the most common place for, for people to go to, build businesses, practices, uh, invest in real estate, is to use use financing. All right. The secret for me is I, I've, I've rarely used institutional financing. I've used it maybe four times over 37 years. Um, so how do I do it? Well, I, I use a lot of private capital, and I've used a lot of, of seller financing. Um, private capital is a great way to, to invest in real estate, and you can use, use debt financing or equity financing. And again, I don't want to go private- too deep here, but – Sorry, yeah, isn't
1: private capital super expensive,
0: though? It doesn't have to be um, no. because you can you can no because you can structure. Well, there's look there's 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 different risk factors, and let's just let's just break it down. There's there's private capital, and I invest this way. I'm a lender in a lot of deals. So so short term short term deals, which which are typically called quick turns or fix and flips, and we'll just look at single family. You can do it in any asset class, but let's say single family. You've got a, a boots on the ground business person in real estate who lead generates buys great deals wholesale and he's got the team he goes in and fixes them up flips them and puts them out on the mark back on the marketplace and sells them retail makes a profit those typically you could, you get 12 13 14 fifteen percent on your money now you, now that's expensive to that borrower but it's not really here's why because they're buying so, so cheap wholesale that they're making enough profit that that short-term borrowing that short-term money typically 6 months on average. Some some of my some of the deals I'm doing today that money's coming back in 3 months. I mean, 3 months, maybe 9 months on the top side, but I'm getting 12, 13, 14, 15% on my money on those deals. They don't mind doing it because why? They have quick access to capital and that's what allows them to do their business. They can't go to the bank for the reasons you suggested. Even if they use lines of credit, the bank's going to going to hold them back at a certain point. These these people I'm talking about are doing 200, 250, 300 turns a year. I mean, we're, we're talking of massive scale businesses okay. of people that are really really good. So that's one way. Now, longer term lending, uh, they they if, if they if I'm lending on their portfolio buy and hold, no, there's no way they could afford a cash flow a property at anything even close to 10%. Typically I'll lend money at 4, 5 or 6% and then you say, well, then what's next, Dave? Because that's kind of cheap for you, isn't it? I'll go, i take, I'll take a back-end participation. A back-end participation is shared equity, equity participation. I know what they're buying It. I know what their equity position is going in. Craig, mm-hmm. you talked about loan-to-value. So if, if I know that they're going in with at least a 30% equity position today, and, and I know that in the marketplace with inflation, that'll increase, then that I'll take the rest of my return on the back end, five years, 10 years down the road when the property sells, I'll go in and let them borrow the money from me at four or 6% so they cash flow the property because I want them safe. I want them to be able to run that thing. They deal with all the contractors and the people and the tenants. I don't do any of that. And so I've got this, I tell people that the, that the, the, most, the most profitable seat at the table, and I'm talking about not the food table, I'm talking about the closing table, my opinion, the most profitable seat is the lender seat. No mm-hmm. wonder the banks have the big buildings. They figured it out. We can do the same thing because there's a void in the marketplace. See, the banks participate in different levels of financing, uh, you know, f- across the, 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 the capital arena, uh, and in in houses or commercial real estate, they'll participate at a certain level, but on on there's a there's a void there where they won't participate, and entrepreneurs like us, we fill that void. And if you do it the right way with the right people, the right structures, there's room for lots of lots of opportunity in real estate. But it comes down again to who you know. Don't try to do it yourself. Yeah, that's good. I, yeah, that's well, wow, That's interesting.
2: Yeah, it's, it's good, good to be the bank. It's good to it, be the it bank.
0: It is. It is. And, and also also that you know, equity financing, which means means it's it's equity financing is more it's more like a joint venture rather than a debt financing. Debt financing has a, a contract, a promissory note that has a stated interest rate on it. That's what we typically know. When we go to the bank, you know, a stated interest rate, you're going to pay back over this term. Here's your monthly payments, blah, blah, blah. It amortizes, or maybe it doesn't amortize, whatever it is. With equity financing, and again, you're not going to do this with a bank. You're doing it with private, private lender, but I'll do equity financing. Now, equity financing means that you and the borrower are really on a little bit more even terms. So when the, when you're, you're sharing, it can be a 50 50 it doesn't have to be 50 50 it can depend upon who's who's providing what into the deal but let's just say it's a 50 50 so on 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 all net cash flow you share 50 50 on on exit on equity on the on the on the end you share 50 50. if the market takes a little bit of a dive and maybe maybe in a certain market the rents have to be lowered short term during that down cycle The borrower doesn't eat the whole thing. He eats a little bit of that with the equity partner. So equity financing is a fun way to look at maybe sometimes a little bit more risky elements when you have a lender who has experience and says, you know what, I'll play ball with you in that market. I understand what you're doing. Yes, the bank's not going to lend you, but I'll lend the money because I'll play because I think there's a bigger upside. Could there be a downside? Yeah. So there's a little bit more speculation there. It's not for the novice to do, but I'm telling you, that's how deals are made in this country. That's capitalism all the way, where people come together, put deals together based on full information and expectations and looking at risk and reward. That's how it's done.
1: So David, if if you had a hundred thousand dollars and you bought a con- and you you bought a condo or, or a single primary residence, this is called $100,000, what would you okay. expect? And you own that thing free and clear.
0: What would you expect as a yeah. return annually? Yeah, great. Yeah, great. In the marketplace today, um, I, I'm looking at, at eight, eight, 8% cap. Rate. So eight percent. So a cap rate, a capitalization rate, uh, means if I'm looking at eight percent is my target. That means if I put $100,000 into a property, it's free and clear. So we don't we don't put any financing into this. There's no leverage. It's just all I have. 100% free and clear property. $100,000. I'm gonna get an eight percent net 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 of all costs, all management, property taxes, insurance, vacancy, turnover. That's what I want is my target return going in today. Does that make sense? Yeah. Eight percent. That's my yeah. target. Now now if I can if I can beat that, so be it. And I'm, but I also remember, I'm looking for other redeeming factors um, that will increase my, my, my return. Obviously, I want to look at, at, at buying in uh, and, and capturing some equity on the front end. So, again, finding a good deal with somebody who finds good deals, getting some equity on the front end. Now, the equity on the front end, meaning if we're buying it out at a 30% discount to market, that equity by itself is not going to return more than my 8%. That that will return on the back end. But back end, 8% right. cap rate means you're getting 8% real dollars back on your $100,000 invested. So 8000 a year, right, You know, net of everything else. And that's a great target place to be in the marketplace today.
2: Unfortunately, in my area now, things are so hot um, that people are looking at 5%. So the valuations are going through the roof. We're getting $1,200 per square foot and just it's driving, it's fueling um, the, the, the mania here. So, so, and
1: I think you were saying, David, how you invest in, I don't know if you use the word boring markets, but mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously Miami is far from, or South Florida is far from boring. So, you right. know, um, so you have to go to areas that, you know, yes, more boring, but they sound more stable and, you know, your, your cap rate can, can be eight plus versus, you know, 5%, Craig, you're right. That That's not really, ri- that's not really worth it.
2: Well, it depends. I mean, if you have a five percent cap rate, but the area is booming, area. you'll make no. But you, but exactly. But the the hotter the area, and the more upside potential, long term capital appreciation, typically the lower the cap rate, right?
0: Exactly. So, so, so you're right. You, you have you have to weigh those two in balance. And again, there's not a right or wrong here. Uh, you know, if if you're if you're if you're in a hot market, you know, five percent is your target cap rate, and you you expect and you see appreciation, then you, you can ride that. Again, those are those are the more volatile markets. That's what we saw, you know, in, in your area, certainly Craig. Uh, it goes hot, it goes hot, and then it drops. So if you know when to kind of get out or get your maximum return, that's good. Or if you're happy with just five percent, as I said before, if you just held on, even when the market drops again, if you hold on, you're still getting that five percent. And you want to write it back up again, you can you can do that. Um, probably not the way I would do it because I like to you know exit uh, with my equity when I feel like we are topping out and go a little bit more liquid. Uh, and be ready to come back in when the market drops and buy back in low again. That's that's kind of how I how I run it with these with these you know eight to ten year cycles. Is is ride ride it up and kind of get close to the top. You know, it's never perfect perfect hit. You're never perfect in those things. But get close and harvest some equity, and then I then I go liquid more liquid. Meaning I put my money into lending deals, which I do more lending deals today uh, than I do you know any equity deals uh, by probably a factor of of. Uh, of Gosh, probably five five to uh, five to one I uh, do wow. money because 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 <laughs> I want because I want to be more liquid I've got wow. I've got enough equity that rides but see I'm ready I'm ready I'm poised because I can turn those note receivables into cash like that uh, because they're very liquid because again they're you know they're generating great cash flow so there's plenty of people that will that would take my notes in a heartbeat not a bank but someone else will take them a private capitalist uh, capitalists will take those notes because they're great notes, they got a track record. And when I want cash to go do another opportunity, I can liquidate those notes that are producing, you know, 10, 12, 15 percent. So that's where I'm, that's where I park my money when I'm not, you know, investing in, in equities. Wow,
2: that's smart. That's great. What a great position to be in. But I mean the, look at the beauty of what we're talking about. So let's just I mean if you are in the leverage deal, but you have let's say 30 or 40% LTV and you got an eight percent cap rate, you know, net net return you know, after debt service and all the fees and your property is incre- increasing, you know, four or 5% mm-hmm. capital, you know, increasing on, on, on the asset yearly, the return yeah. on cash is astronomical It's, huge. it's huge. because you're, you're, you're returning a five, you know, your property may be worth a million, you got three or $400,000 of equity in it, but when it appreciates 5%, it doesn't appreciate 5% on your equity, it appreciates 5% on the value. So it's just the slippery uh, and and then you factor depreciation to it. It's an amazing vehicle. Well here's the,
0: here's the thing to remember too, and I and I and I joke around when I tell people this, but I say I say equity equity doesn't, equity doesn't taste so good. When you, when you need to eat, you try to eat that equity, it's just, it just like cardboard. You spit it out. So 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 you're exactly right. You, you ride the equity up, and that can be returned as long as you know when and how to harvest it. You want to be able to harvest equity, which is, is its net worth, right? You want to be able to convert that to cash, cash flow, which is then what you convert to food so you can eat. So- <laughs> I'm being facetious here. Yeah, equity, you know, I'm all about I'm all about building equity and capital appreciation, amortization of debt, um, you know, uh, forcing equity by by improving uh, a property. I mean, there's so many ways to increase equity, uh, but you want to be able to convert that equity to cash or cash cash on demand yeah. uh, by having the flexibility in the marketplace. So yeah, it, it's a, it's such a fun place to be because you can because it's never perfect, but gosh, real estate if you do it the right way. It's just really hard to lose. I, I you know, I know a lot of people have lost money, but again, that's just because they didn't know what they didn't know, right? right. Same thing with anything. You, you know, we're all going to go down the road and get burned and a few times, but you know, just mitigate your risk, right? Don't, don't go out and, and, and shoot for the shoot for the home runs. I mean, hook up with people that know what they're doing, learn the ropes a little bit, see what it looks like, and then you can decide is this something I want to be more active in, or should I stay more passive in it? You can, you can choose. You can choose. That's what's nice about it.
1: So when is your next, uh, so you have conferences, right?
0: We do, we, we do a quarterly mastermind. So that's where, you know, our, our members come. Um, we are, you know, I'll just, I'll just give you guys a little bit of foresight because we're about, we're about capped off with, with Freedom Founders Mastermind because I can only deliver high value in uh, the deal flow that we bring is, is, is one of the key components. And okay. And you guys know if you grow too big, something's going to get diluted. So we are close to capping it off, but, what we want to do is, is we want to do some one-off conferences that would not be just, just freedom founders or just real estate, but bring other great people in that also talk about the other key components of freedom, which we talked about earlier. You know, yeah. your practice asset. So that's something that I'll probably come back and look at you guys for at some point and saying, hey, would you guys be interested in in doing something if we had the right people, right? If we're bringing yeah. the right people in, components. I, I yeah. want some, I want some more brain trust. That's why I love doing these pod- podcasts. I get, to, I get to meet the other brain trusts out there, and if we put some stuff together, it was really cool. We could give solid information to people who aren't ready to jump into a big mastermind or something like that. Especially the younger generation. I've got a real heart for the younger generation because, doggone <laughs> it. Look what they're coming out of school today yeah. with today with a debt load hanging on them, and and and, and the choices are, are tough and to getting started. And if they just had a little bit more direction, you know, for, you know, the podcasts are great. What you guys do, that kind of direction is key. And. I just love to to get that out to more people with all the financial acumen that they need. Everything that they can start figuring life out a little bit. So your question was, you know, do we, when do we meet? So yeah, we meet four times a year. Sorry about that. But that's kind of, your, that's
1: what, your private mastermind community. That's correct. Right? So yes. and you just and you just answered it. Is that really you're not open because you can't? You have you don't have any bandwidth to deliver value. So we're we're about we're about maxed. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, so yeah, I think that you know the second part of your answer was was good. Yeah, we maybe something does need to be created that that you know synergizes with with you know some of the things that that Craig and I are you know kind of promoting and talking about. So that would Absolutely. be cool. and, and
2: and full disclosure too. Uh, David uh, knows Chuck Blakeman because uh, Peter and I are connect uh, getting a more yeah. deeper connection with Chuck and um, you guys. You know, really speak the same language. Uh, of course, a different mechanism. Uh, but the same philosophies and principles.
0: I I I love I love Chuck's philosophy. Um, I I you know I've I've had a chance to interview him twice. In fact, he's he's actually doing our keynote uh, in March. Um, you know, special invitation to you guys. If you guys would like to come, um, you, you know, you, you come as my guest. I'm 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 I'm, oh. I'm serious. I'd love that you have to have you come. But Chuck's going to keynote for us um, because because yes, he, he he speaks to the to the core of of. You know, building a business right I mean and, and Craig you, and, and you and Peter are, are doing alignment with him so yeah he's right on track and again that's that's what I'm talking about there's 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 different components to freedom uh, I'm really big on the real estate side but I realize there's these other key pieces that I appreciate so much and Chuck's model we've used a great deal of it in Freedom Founders uh, I mean not, not just for our members but I mean for the Freedom Founders team we have built a lot of our culture and our pulse based on some of those principles uh, so you no know, I love Chuck he's he's he's, he's dead on
2: where are you guys going to be in March? Where is this? Um, uh,
0: Dallas. Dallas. Oh, yeah, awesome. Dallas, yeah.
2: And there's no, is there any extra room for the people that are listening to this to jump onto that or?
0: Um, really probably not i mean we've got we've got if, if someone was really interested with, i mean there is a process they can go through uh you know screening to see if and i we do have other guests that you know we invite to come so i mean I, again i didn't come on your show to promote uh at all here for <laughs> Freedom on Patterns, the but,
1: spot right now Dave. well
0: okay but but you know what there's probably one you know probably a couple people out there going "Man, this sounds really cool i mean we do like to talk to those people so we've got a little bit of room but I, we're not bringing in you know uh we can't we brought in like 16 new people at our meeting last, and we're just about there. So we've got a little capacity. We don't have much much drop off. Our retention rate's really high just because of, of what we do. Mm. So not much room there. But I, I would encourage people. You know, if you want to jump on the on the podcast, Dennis Freedom Blueprint podcast, and we do put out a lot of uh, you know just free information. Uh, yeah. We have a Freedom, Freedom Insider. I love to give stuff out. Look, I'm not all about holding it all in, saying, "Oh, this is all just secret stuff." Look, that's that's not the way the world works. I lo- I live live off of an abundance mindset. Uh, you you give, you give, you give and you receive. I I want to I want to make a difference out there in the world. I I've lived a great life. I've gone through stuff that's been tough. I know what it takes. I know what it's like to be in, in tough positions in life, when you're whether you're younger or mid-career or in a, in a career. I know what it's like. And I just want, you know, through myself, not just myself alone, but through, through guys like you, other people who have a heart also, is to, to show our colleagues there is a way out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel no matter – how deep you feel like you're in, how behind the eight ball you may be. There's a way out. And the best way to do it is is find the right people. You know, Jim Rohn said it best. He said, he said, you become the average of the, of the people you spend the most time with. And that is a truth. That is a truth. That's why I came with you guys because you guys up my game. Hopefully I up your game. We all up everybody's game. If we just go into our cave and our practice and just take that John Wayne rugged individualist and say, I'll just crank it out myself. How far do we really get in life? I mean, you just get so far and you're topped out. And as soon as something hits you, uh, you get slammed on the, on the side yeah you're, you're you're out you're out of gas you can't do it by yourself
2: yep agreed it's so true so true good stuff peter good stuff david this is awesome awesome david,
1: I, don't, I don't know where you're going in your airplane
2: right now
0: <laughs> um, It's it's get a little bumpy <laughs> <Yeah>. turbulence turbulence
2: <laughs> uh, you know what david i have turbulence i have an earthquake here in florida
0: <laughs> you have an earthquake in Florida. Right.
2: Yeah, look at that. It's going crazy. Oh, over
0: here. Like, oh man, the whole world is shaking up. Yeah, I mean, we, got tur- we got turbulence everywhere, don't we? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's
2: crazy.
1: Well, I appreciate you. Uh, you taking the time to come on. I've been honestly this this uh, this meeting has been on our calendars for a long time, and I've been I've been eagerly awaiting it. So I'm I'm glad to connect with you. And um, yeah, it sounds like we got some stuff to circle up on post call with each other no and that, that's great you know the synergy and the relationships are, are where it's at like you said so no um, yeah anyway I can't thank you enough brother for coming on and um, great yeah, thanks bud closing
0: my pleasure you, you guys are great I'll let you let you close great but I just, I'll just kick it back to you and say uh, thank you I've been looking forward to this for quite a while as well and I wasn't going to miss this today even if I, I had to travel I was going to stop and we're going to make this happen so we did it
2: Cool. Yeah. Thank you, David. And thanks for what you do for dentistry and, um, uh, just love, uh, not only the real estate message, but the message that freedom is in your own hands and, um, you don't have to be a victim. I, I love the idea that the intentionality and the, and, uh, the belief that you can control your destiny and not imprisoned by, uh, factor situations or concepts that are self-limiting. So keep beating on that drum. Uh, I'm a big yeah. fan and I appreciate what you do and look forward to circling back with you. All right, guys. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Bulletproof Dental Practice with your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak. Online at bulletproofdentalpractice.com. We'll catch you next time.